Hello friend, welcome everyone to Almost Cancelled, I am Peter, that is Connor, and we are going to talk about Mr. Robot Season 4, Episode 8, it's called 408, Request Time Out. So, full spoilers for the episode, as always. So, how do you follow up last week's episode? How do you follow up one of the most gut-wrenching, game-changing episodes of the season? Uh, well, this, basically, <laughs> you, do, you do this episode. Uh... Which obviously has Elliot going on a journey, also has uh, Darlene and Dom back in it uh, with Janice and follows up on that plot, um, which uh, makes some amount of sense, Uh, which is nice because it breaks up the Elliot stuff a little bit where we kind of need it this time because it's like, oh, we spent all the episode with Elliot last episode. We kind of need to break up his like slow- We need to see something else. Emotional journey. So we sort of go back and forth between the two plots. Uh, So I got my notes. We're going to work through it. We'll get into yes. it. Yes. Um, and we'll open with a flashback. And this, well, before I just what I want to say is a, as a something of a bonus. Um, Connor instructed me to go back and watch uh, the the dream sequence uh, when Elliot was in withdrawal in season one, episode four, uh, which is a scene we've mentioned a few times of being kind of foreshadowing in some ways. But it'd been a while since I actually watched it, and I watched the part of it. I watched the part with Angela talking to him. Um, okay. A, f- a few weeks ago. Uh, because part of it felt relevant when we were talking about third personalities. Um, mm. But I didn't watch the whole thing. This time, before we started, basically, I went and watched like the full 10-minute chunk or whatever it was uh, from start to finish. So uh, at the end, we'll dive into that because that takes some notes. Yeah. I uh, I only ensure that because, as we were talking about last week, about wanting to rewatch it, I did manage to start rewatching it. I found an excuse in that. Uh, my girlfriend hasn't really watched. She's seen the odd episode that I've, you know, when she's been in the room while I've been watching them because mm. I wasn't waiting. So she knows some of the bigger beats, but she'd not really sat down and watched it. So I was like, we'll sit down and, and I'll just watch it with you. And and that'll be a, give me an excuse to rewatch it. So we got through the first five. And uh, so we did that like four and five yesterday. So when stuff sat down in this episode, it was very fresh for me. So I was like, okay, mm. there's stuff there. So, we do start a flashback, we start in 1995, it is young Elliot running around the museum, uh, where we've been before, this was the end of season one, this was when Angela and Darlene uh, were coming to try and find him, because he'd been here before, this is one of the places he'd ran off to before, and he wasn't there, but, uh, so we knew this was something that he'd done in the past, so he's there, he's there with Angela, so again, sort of connecting those dots, uh, makes sense that Angela would know about this, because she was there with him, uh, yeah. apart from the fact that her and Darlene found him there years later, at some point during the breakdown. Um, I, I noted that he has a Marty McFly-esque jacket. It wasn't quite Marty McFly's jacket from Back to the Future because it wasn't the, uh, you know, it's, it's like a, almost like a puffy waistcoat Marty's got over his denim yeah. jacket. He doesn't have that, but his jacket here did have kind of the, the rows of thick kind of bubbly kind of design. Okay. Um, I think it was... Cl- well, we know he's a fan of the movie, so I, I think it was clearly something he'd asked for because, hey, that looks like Marty McFly's... That sounds perfectly plausible. Jacket. Uh, to put it in uh, context of the the movie, uh, the guy in the fifties referred to it as a life preserver. It wasn't, but that's what he thought it was because it looked kind of puffy. I can, I can see why. Yeah. So. Yeah, and he uh, he goes to a storage room uh, where there is, in fact, a robot. <laughs> it's not a real robot, obviously, but it was a big, big robot for the, for an old display uh, yeah. in there. And he hides something behind a brick in in this room. And it's worth noting, he is very clearly talking to an imaginary friend. Of some kind, yeah. And what I think what's interesting is that they actually show it because he's a kid like an imaginary friend. We don't see a character. We don't see, you know, Christian Slater standing there with his hat on. like. <laughs> yeah, th- this was really him. interesting for a couple of reasons. One, you know, showing it that way. Uh, it's something we've never really seen done before. It it works because hey, well, uh, kids, kids have imaginary friends. Barring uh, the scene he was in the previously on when he was in the movie theater, he did turn to someone oh, yeah, in yeah. the seat next to him. So we have seen it before with the kid. Oh yeah, with the kid. Which which is what I was going to say is this didn't feel like he was talking to Mister Robot. At least to me, it didn't feel like that was who he was talking to. If he he was, you know, he was the one saying, "Oh, trust me, this is what we're going to do." He had a lot more comfort. Maybe it's just because he was a kid. I don't know. Um, but it felt completely different to however he, he, any relationship we've ever seen with Mr. Robot. Yeah, I took it as just it's because he's a kid. And maybe the version of Mr. Robot that was there when he was a kid was a little bit different just because he's a kid and he's created yeah, him differently. Possible, yeah. um, 
because I'm kind, I'm kind of on the on the train now that the third personality is just young Elliot or uh, his true self or whatever you want to phrase it. Um, mainly because it just mean it, it makes more sense right now and clicks together. I feel like the introduction of a completely third personality now that is another adult would feel very weird to me. Maybe there is a theory I have seen that uh, actually goes back to something you, you you commented on last week. Oh, which could be interesting is that. The third personality is another version of Mr. Robot, uh, and there's two because there's two different Mr. Robot personalities, one with the hat and one without. And because uh, you know, you know, last week you mentioned, oh, have we ever really seen him without? You know, we haven't seen him without the hat much. And um, going back and watching season one, he's without the hat most of the time. Uh, when he when Elliot has no idea who he is, and you know he's very you know he's very cold and you know in, in control. Uh, he has very very rarely got the hat. Um, so I do wonder if there is something to that. Hmm, interesting. Um, I, I mean, I, I think I kind of see that more as a a difference in his attitude or a difference in how yeah. he's 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 been presented at the time, as opposed to there's two different versions or you're no, literally it's, it's, two characters. You know, I'm I'm with you for the most part because I just thought I mentioned it because when I was watching it, uh, you know, the, those first few episodes, I was seeing without the hat, and I was like. This does feel very different, and I wonder if you know that is kind of a signifier, not of a, another person. Because I saw that after I've been watching a couple, but more just uh, you know, is that an indicator of of his uh, his attitude in general at that point? Yeah, I would I would take Young Elliot's phrasing and the way he talks to him just to be he's a kid, and maybe the Mister Robot is also I don't want to say a kid because he's maybe his dad or based on his dad, but just in that whatever he could create could only really have the mentality that he himself could have that, that, that would make sense yeah but my only thing is i didn't really see him looking up at this other person he was always looking across like they were a similar height to him in his head but yeah maybe that's just nothing yeah but i know elliot does that too <laughs> yeah yeah but again they are similar heights now aren't they yeah well mr robot at the time was a similar height he was <laughs> okay fine <laughs> I mean, it could be something. Right now, I'm going to put... I'm, I'm just The way it hid it from us and the fact that they didn't just show us Mr. Robot there made me feel like there was something to hide and that there was another personality there to hide from us that wasn't just Mr. Robot. But I could be just way off and imagining things. Because they didn't want to show Christian Slater on his knees so he's the same height, sort of shuffling around next to him. I'm sure they wouldn't have done that. <laughs> Esme, Esme will, will try a lot of wacky things. He's a, he's a, he's a madman. Uh, so there we go to present day Christus. Um, uh, I mean, I'm interested at the end of that scene. Is that he, he, he comes out of the room, uh, your Angela kind of finds him uh, in that room with the big map, you know, with the, the balcony. That's the big yeah. part of this location we kind of recognise from originally seeing it because it was the, the most visually yeah. sort of distinct. Because that's supposed to be playing hide and seek, I assume, and Elliot's kind of terrible at it. Well, he's, he had a, he had an agenda. He wasn't really playing. That was just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That'll, that'll get me away from her for five minutes while I can go and plant yeah, my... Yeah, but he didn't even try and hide afterwards. He just kind of ran out and played in sight. He got caught. He was looking at the beautiful map. He was uh, overtaken mm. by it. Uh, so we're, then we go to Christa's. Uh, Vera's lying dead. His phone's ringing. Uh, Elliot's staring at young Elliot, who's just not saying anything, just standing there staring at him in the fireplace. Uh, or in front of the fireplace, I should say. And mm. uh, the henchmen are outside, and Chris is like, "No, they're going to come up. They're going to come up. We have to go. We have to go." They're ringing his phone, you know, yada yada. And she has to like, you know, oh, and this is the way that the shot does this is she literally has to like block his view of young Elliot. You know, she comes right into frame, right in her face, to block yeah. the view to say, "No, we need to go right now." Um, and this is this is more a Crystal, you know, protecting him and like making sure, you know, trying to help him and make sure he's okay this is you know making sure he's not here when the bad guys get back to to potentially kill him it's, is, is... It's such a shift from just you know a handful of episodes ago where she was utterly terrified when in the street yeah that's the uh that's i mean that feels natural to me just in terms and maybe yeah. this is just a movie tv thing but the idea of after a while the these the the terror situation you're in becomes the normal and you find yourself becoming braver it's you know sarah connor and the terminator that ultimately uh, living through it you become stronger and oh yeah yeah no it, it wasn't a, a complaint that i was making just uh just noting that how she has shifted back to you know closer than ever with with elliot i was you know because i say she always had a a decent relationship with him uh as as his therapist um and then obviously she got scared uh but then now it's you know she's actively going out of her way going above and beyond what what she would have had to do right so 
Uh, the henchmen do come up, they have a whole conversation about wanting to pee and not wanting to go to the Arby's and yada yada yada. Uh, I like how it revealed how they found Vera on the on the floor. It's kind of just that following them coming in, we just see the reaction to it. We don't necessarily see the body. Not until one of them goes down to get the uh, the phone out of his pocket. Uh, the wallet. Uh, sorry? It was the wallet. Oh, sorry, the wallet, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, and we see Krista and Elliot get into a taxi. And uh, notably, they set up these uh, these TVs in the taxis back in the first episode of like the plane ads or whatever for E Corp. Uh, and funnily enough, we see Tyrell <laughs> giving, you know, wishing everyone a happy Christmas. So uh, it was nice to see him again. Yeah, possibly yeah. for the last time. I don't know. Um, but part of me is expecting in the final episode to somehow see every character who's died because this ca- this season's been killing them off without uh, without any remorse. It's it's funny because. Uh... When I was watching, you know, the the first couple of episodes, I was like, "Man, it's crazy how many of these are dead now." Yeah, um, I mean, even later on when we started talking about Dom's story, you know, like I really believed they were killing Dom because I'm like, "Well, everyone else has been killed so far this it's, season." It's, it's one of those things where final season, no one said, "Don't wrong, this this show has killed people before anyway." Um, but final season, you know, all bets are off. So we go to Dom's uh, mum's house. Uh, the family's all around for Christmas. There's kids. There's other, you know, aunties and uncles and whatever. Um, some of the kids are fighting about the card game they're playing. Uh, one of them says a wonderful thing to his aunt, uh, Dom's mum. <laughs> uh, he says, "Split my dick hole." When she says she's, you know, splitting the deck. Um, because she's not, she's not saying with either. She's no, no. We'll just, we'll do it fair and split it fifty-fifty. And he's like, "Split my dick hole." Uh, yeah. So. Uh, I, I love that you're going to hear the mother in the background. You know, they're, they're sending for a timeout. So I don't know where he learned language like that. Probably for his father. What a son of a bitch. Actually, like, you're, you're missing that key part there that I was going to mention. Uh, just to poke a hole in it. She says, probably from his father, he probably let him watch SummerSlam again. So, oh, that was it, yeah. First of all, first of all SummerSlam, as the title would imply, <laughs> takes place in the summer. It's in August, right? So that's a weird thing to say in December. <laughs> Maybe they taped it. First of all. Secondly... And wrestling, but particularly WWE, who do SummerSlam, have been kid-friendly for way over a decade and intentionally want to be suitable for young children. So this made I me giggle. I would not be surprised, though, if this is one of those things like, you know how like your, your mum calls every console a Nintendo? Sure, no, sure. No, I get it. I get so it. it not, all of it's SummerSlam. I'm not saying it. it's a mistake in the writing. I'm just, I'm, I'm pointing out the flaw in what she's saying. I, I have faith that the writers know that. I pro- probably do. I'm sure a quick Google could have, could have answered that question. And like I say, SummerSlam, the clues in the name. So that's why, to me, it felt like... Because even I thought that. I was like, oh, it's probably just one of those things where they're all SummerSlam to her. But even that's strange, though, because WrestleMania is the main one. <laughs> like that's, that's, that's the one. It, no, I get that. That's um, the Super Bowl. That's the US. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, anyway, uh, but the more important part here is that as as this has been said, as he's walking to the front room, it's all it's all one shot. It's this beautiful one-er sort of following him, and it neatly sort of goes past all the other family members. There's an uncle at a table, there's another couple of kids, there's like a, a granny or someone, uh, you know, with some food or whatever. Uh, and what this is really neat is, is when he gets to the front and it, it breaks the, from the shot, he does a, does a new shot and he's looking out the, the window and he sees like these masked men all coming up to the front door, and he's doing some normal, you know, backs and forth with the cuts. But what's beautiful about this is that when the bad guys come in, we get a, basically a reverse one where it follows the bad guy, or at least one of the bad guys, going back through the house from the exact same sort of path that the kid took. But that now, as he's going through it, we're seeing all the various family members either being hit or tied up or, you know, have guns pointed yeah. at them. Yeah. It, it is this neat thing where it's the exact same shot in reverse, but following the bad guy now instead. It was a really nice it sort of yeah. uh, back and forth. Uh, so that was really nice. Uh, then we go to Darlene's place, uh, which is really Angela's old place. But for the rec- for the record, for the purpose of this episode, it's Darlene's. Um, so yeah, and uh, you know, you know, Janice is uh, one one of these villains who likes to monologue a little bit about about stuff that's kind of tangentially thematically related when she gets to her point because uh, she's talking about cities are made by lightning, and she's you know uh, talking about. Uh, the creation of cement and how cement was discovered because it was at Greece, you know, the cement struck some, some you know, marble. Limestone. Or, was it limestone? And it made cement by accident and it was like, oh, cement. Um, and, but the point she's getting at is that it's, it's amazing what can come out of some one moment of violent convergence was the phrase she used, which I did think was nice, nice wordplay, to, to be honest. I thought that was, was a nice little bit. Like, 
what would have happened if the lightning hit, you know, a puppy? <laughs> then, I was like, then, then you got fried puppy, didn't you? Then, then, well, first of all, I'm sure lightning has struck puppies many a time. Um, it's yeah. just that on this particular instance, it did the the notable thing. And if it hadn't done it now, I'm sure, I'm sure we'd have come across concrete at some point in civilization. <laughs> I mean, law of averages would say that the lightning probably hit limestone again at some point. Yes. Or or maybe, I don't know, maybe we advanced in other ways and then eventually we just got to the point where some scientists actually just cracked it and said, oh, hey, I've got this idea. It, it could happen. Let's see what happens if we apply this much electricity to some limestone. <laughs> it, it could happen. I buy it. Uh, so, yeah, conversion. Uh, we find out the uh, the phone is useless because Darlene wiped it. Janice is trying to convince her to to sort of reverse what she did or or help them, and she says eat eat shit and die. Um, she later on calls her a sea stick, and by sea stick I mean a sea bomb. <laughs> that is a a great insult. I'm I'm using that at work. I'll tell you that now. Um, yeah. Um, and basically, Janice reveals that uh, she's like, hey, you know, we we didn't think you'd ever go through with this. You know, I hoped you would, but deep down I knew you didn't have it in you. And she's like, because I'm not a murderer. And he's like, no, because of how much you care about uh, Darlene. And she's like, what are you talking about? Like, what, what could you possibly... like?" And we know that she does, to some extent, but you know, yeah. she's never said anything out loud, she's never done anything. He's like, well, what about that, what about that interrogation footage that you keep... That, using? that police footage, we had a random debate of for like 15 minutes yes. about that seemed really irrelevant at the time. Yes. He's like, oh yeah, you've been pleasuring yourself to that. And I love the way Darlene turns and looks at her <laughs> like when she said... She's like, oh, have you now? <laughs> like... That, that's something that very few people will ever find out that someone has used a piece of footage to masturbate to it's, it's something unless, unless you're in the porn business and just assuming it <laughs> about everything I, I, I once knew a guy who you know he, he had told his girlfriend that you know before they got together he, he did that uh, to, to a Facebook picture I'm like how would you tell them that that's creepy as shit that? That, is cre- that is creepy as shit I don't yeah <laughs> that is... it was weird just creepy as shit also weird that he told you later. This guy opens up I too mean, much to people. I don't <laughs> he didn't tell just, but this was something that everyone kind of knew after a point. Okay. It went around. Weird. I don't know who he told first. but uh, So Janice pulls out her knives because this isn't working. Um, And, you know, Darlene kind of challenges and says, well, if whatever you're going to do, just you know, do it quickly because I'm not going to help you. And she's like, okay. And she just stabs Dom within a second. She just because she's she's right in so Darlene's fast. face. She just yeah. does it. It's sort of like off to the side. She just quickly stabs Dom. And it's like, okay, well, don't pull the knife out because I'm I'm pretty sure where I stabbed her. If you pull it out, it's just going to exacerbate. I, I want to quote the exact thing. Oh, here. you go. You go on. Because there's a thing she says. I'm not a doctor, but I'm 99 percent sure I just punctured a lung. The reason that's notable is because well, 99 percent isn't good enough for Janice now, is it? That's a very good point. That's a very good point. So uh, I'm wondering, did did she? Given given that Dom seems to be surviving long enough later on, I'm going to say that she probably didn't. Possibly, yeah. Uh, probably didn't. Um, so yeah, we kind of leave leave there. Um, ja- uh, Janice actually has a really funny ending to this scene where she's kind of explaining like, "Well, we were at a stalemate, and I thought this might be the quickest way to exacerbate like this our situation." Um, does that make sense? Like, she ends it kind of again, just that thing where she's kind of like a dead mother. Like, does that make sense, honey? Like, you know. Yeah. Uh, so then we we go to uh, it was in a police station, which is where Kristen and Elliot have went to, and. She's going to go in. Elliot's not going to. That becomes clear very quickly. But the conversation here, a couple of quotes I've, I've pulled down is, you know, he says, what do people like me do? You know, he's, I mean, he phrases it like five times in various ways, but that's ultimately what yeah. he's saying. Um, and then he says something really interesting. I should have fought him. He starts to blame himself for not fighting back. Um, which, again, the idea of a victim blaming themselves, probably yeah. a nat- very natural part of processing this information um and obviously she's like no 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 you did nothing wrong you were a child you 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 know you, i mean even if it was a child adults can be victimized but like she's oh, making course, it very clear more so this yeah. was you you were a child and it was someone in a, a position of power you know this is your father you know what are you gonna do and we have some extreme framing here where i mean elliot has some headroom but krista's was interesting because krista had no headroom but she was like much like elliot really over to the extreme uh side in her case it was the right um yes and there was a lot of empty space in the left but more so than usual because i mean you have typically like we're set like i'm set up here right you're sort of looking into your talking space more or less right 
Yeah. You're in the middle, you, you don't count. <laughs> I know, I know. I was going to move and I was like, I can't be bothered. Yeah. Um, and then the opposite to do is to have someone frame so they're looking the other way, right? So my talking space is behind me. And I, guess the, I, I get that the audio people aren't, aren't getting this visual representation, but, um, but you still have me at the third sort of and it's kind of balanced in the opposite way and that tells you that something's wrong because it feels kind of off-putting this is the extreme where not only they're not looking in the right direction they're much over to the side of the frame yeah they're basically where pete's hand is now but just on the opposite side yes so um well it was in that side yeah, yeah no it's not about krista Sorry. yeah uh yeah. so um and i thought it was interesting that like, he had headroom and she didn't it made him feel smaller like he was needing the help and she was there to give it and she did have some kind of like comfort and authority that that provided that mm. just visually it kind of had that impression so yeah um and he even says he made me feel special which to, to which she says you are special no, no nothing he did will take that away um but again here here and elliot say these things like i should have fought him he made me feel special you know it kind of brought that sick feeling back of yeah you know yeah. like uh and he notices young Elliot, uh, specifically uh, when she says you shouldn't go through this alone, you know, go find someone, find Darlene, whoever. Um, and he's, this is when he notices young Elliot watching him from like, across the street at the subway entrance, um, to which he then doesn't go and follows him down to the train. Uh, but Krista does hug him and says she wants to see him again. You know, Elliot just saying, ah, oh, you don't have to, like, you don't have to take care of me anymore. She's like, no, no, I want to. Um, yeah. So, you know, her fear of him seems to have dispelled because of the, the events oh definitely yeah uh so now a really sweet scene um it was a lot of scenes with elliot in this episode where you know the music was just this really somber sweet kind of uh emotional mm. stuff and very, very soft he's acting his ass off uh as as he does as always yeah uh to be to be for everyone with him in these scenes typically wears well maybe not the kids as much but this scene here and then the scene at the end with mr robot were both you know spectacular yeah uh so we'll go back to darlene's uh dom is wheezing on the floor uh janice says she has pluck and she could be a good mole there's always growing pains so she's not necessarily thinking this is over yet like yeah nah we'll, we'll solve this situation then we can have her back on the force and uh doing yeah. whatever yeah, they, they, they don't want to lose us she could ask it uh, and it's around this time there's a lot of bird's eye shots start popping into these scenes of uh of darlene and dom um and notably later on in the scene uh, it starts to spin when Janice kind of like starts to like get threatened because there's, like, there's sort of like a down period here where Janice is making small talk with with Darlene and then when she says okay I thought this would be actually over by now you need to see the light I guess I'll have to do something else and she gets up to move over to like another phone the camera goes to the bird's eye shot again spins with her it feels like their whole room is turning like their whole world is turning um which kind of really emphasizes just how much they're in the palm of her hands right now because they're oh yeah, they're yeah trapped. it's all revolving around her uh so you know simple stuff um and I loved how she said, um, she, she was trying to say how much she likes Dom's mum, but she kind of describes it as, uh, you know, isolate the mark, find a pressure point, a pain point, you know, the usual. But she's a really nice woman, like, she just says it so casually. Uh, yeah. The usual, like, like, Darlene's ever thought about how someone infiltrates, like, a, a family or a mark or whatever. Uh, I don't know. Just she's she's terrifying how, how completely mundane this is to her uh, but it does um and she even says something about how uh, she was tested in high school because her parents were worried that her taxidermy uh, hobby was was yeah. was a sign that she was a psychopath and you know they've probably seen psycho they've seen norman bates do it and they're like this is terrifying that's not let's go check her but no nope, all the tests said she was normal yeah and uh Darlene doesn't quite buy that. No. Uh, so, listing Dom's family members, uh, saying there's kids, saying the appearance are there, blah, blah, yeah, blah. Yeah, there's blah. like 12 or 13 of them in total. Like. Um, uh, and she's going to kill them, uh, get the guys out that said the house to kill them. Uh, you know, that's when Darlene breaks and says, I'll do it. So that's kind of the end of the scene. Now, what's interesting is we've already seen people break into the house. Now, it actually really works when the reveal happens later, but at this point, because it kind of clashes with what we saw, um, to a point, my head was like, oh, it means that they're they're already in the house and they've got them at gunpoint. But they're literally in like a hostage situation, kind of like this. Yeah, the they had them rounded up and they were just ready to, okay, we've got the order. Yeah, so that if they are, if they do get the order, then they can just do it instantly. There's no wait time. No faffing about, yeah. yeah. No, obviously, that's, that's definitely how it felt like in the moment. Yeah, obviously there's a nice twist uh, later with this stuff. But uh, there we go at the museum, uh, where young Elliot's uh, led, or Elliot. Um, you know, he mentions how he thought he'd ran here to get away as if it was a coward as if you know this is part of him not fighting back uh, when they get inside and they're looking at the big map 
you know, he says, I'm sorry I let him do these things to you. He sort of, again, this is coming back to me seeing the kid as the third personality. He's talking to him like, this is my, because in the way that Mr. Robot's supposed to protect him, it's like, I'm sorry I didn't protect you. Yeah. No, see, I, I generally kind of agree with you. It's just the bit, uh, you know, like in that inside Elliot's head at the end of an episode a few ago where, you know, the kid's like, oh, you know, oh, the mother, you know, we're waiting on someone else. Um, it felt like there was someone else that we hadn't seen to come and uh, to be the, the the other personality. I will say, returning to this museum was really nice, just in the sense that again we're bringing back season one stuff, stuff from the very start, it's all feeling really relevant again, and it all feels yeah. kind of put together. Uh, so they go to the the storage room. Uh, this is why Young Elliot's brought him here, and notably the the sign that's moved. I I, I really kind of like this touch because I, I noticed it in the first scene, but this is really the important part. Because Elliot says the sign is moved. It used to be over there. And it was. I remember it being over there. Um, but notably, the sign is the word tomorrow. So I, I just yeah. wrote down, tomorrow has moved. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. It took me a while to read the sign at the angle it was at. And I, I really don't like that font. Um, I struggled to read that, that sign at first. I was fine. It's just this, the Space Age atomics, you know, font. I don't know. I think it was the font. And then like a couple of the letters were in shadow. And I was like, what What does it say? Because I was, I was sat there like for a good I know, 10 was, seconds. Uh, when the, the, the camera pulls back, there's this nice great beam of, beam of light hitting it from, you know, some of the lights outside. Um, yeah. It's a really nice shot. Um, but I just love that, that that nice touch that tomorrow has literally moved since he was a kid. You know, what tomorrow was then is not what tomorrow was now. Um, yeah. Really simple stuff, but really effective. Uh, inside the, the brick, um, or behind the brick rather, um, is a little pouch, a little zipper, and inside it, a key, uh, which we find out right away is the key to Elliot's bedroom as a kid. And the kid, the, the kid version of Elliot points out though, it's our, it was the dad's key to her room. Uh, we hid it here so because that could stop him from getting in, it would lock him out. Uh, and Elliot realizes that he was in his own way as a kid fighting back. Well, this was how he could fight back. Yeah, uh, was trying to outsmart him. So yeah, Elliot's kind of it's like okay, no, he always has been like that. And, and tried to fight he just didn't realize it yeah uh, so it's a moment of strength for him um so um and the kid actually even went one step further and said hid the key so the monster couldn't get to us now even before i rewatched uh the stuff we're going to talk about at the end from episode four season one uh just the word monster there made me think of it because the one thing i vividly remember about that was talk of a monster um yeah so you know so i'm, I'm pointing out here it, it was one of those moments where we get, when I heard it, I went, "Oh, that's the monster kind of thing," and, I was like, and I'm like, "That it makes so much sense." Oh, it does, yeah. Uh, so uh, we're, we go to Christmas Place just for a split second because uh, one of the Dark Army henchmen's uh, just confirming uh, this is where Elliot's phone trace led. Elliot's phone is still there; it's not with them, so they can't find them that way. Yeah, and they're not happy about this. They, they, you know, they're like, "Hey, darling, you, you should do better. You got to find her anyway." Yeah, she says, "Oh no, no. I mean, I don't know how to find him. Then, like, if 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 he, if he's doing this, if you know, if his phone's not with him, it either means he doesn't want me to find him because he does that sometimes because he's Elliot. <laughs> Have you met him? And secondly, or it means something's happened to him." And Jazz calls her a filthy lying liar. I was expecting more swearing, honestly, but <laughs> I'll take she, it. She she doesn't swear that much. She's very refrained and good, like, kind of good natured in it, and then it all just come out randomly. Yeah. Uh, but Dom says she believes Darlene doesn't know it's a dead end. Uh, she knows when she's lying. Uh, this is not what this is. It's a dead end. So don't don't, don't, don't you know don't bother. Um, yeah. And again, we get a spinning shot when she says, "Give me my phone." She's going to you know kill her family. They're ramping up because she's like, "Oh well, you know what? I'm going to call Darlene's bluff and just find out for sure if you really do." Because yeah, because it's a really intense spin as well. Because it's not just you know on one axis it's going up and down as it moves yeah it's, it's going around and looking at all their faces around the room it, it, it spins around multiple times as, as this moment's happening yeah. um she and because you know, i think to to janice it's like well if i kill the family and we find out that there was no information oh well no biggie we just now we know <laughs> as yeah. opposed to oh i feel bad now that i've killed all the family because uh there was no yeah, information I think don points out the only thing that should be missing is the leverage on yeah. her yeah, but she's willing to do that. She's willing to do that, but there's no answer. And Dom eventually is like, "Oh, no answer." Kind of, oh, I mean, not quite smug. She's in too much pain to be smug. But uh, and Jazz immediately is like, "Wait, why would you ask that? Why would you ask that, Dom?" And she's like, "Well, you probably want to ask him." And she's like, "Who's him? Check my phone. <laughs> He's probably been calling me." And 
It's the Irish dude that she interrogated briefly who was smuggling, who smuggled criminals like from places to new places, you know. Um, and the, the conversation on the phone with him and Janice is quite delightful for a number of reasons. Oh, um, he's, he's brilliant. He's, he's very delightfully Irish. Uh, uh, Aggressively so. Notably, I mean, you know, I had to give them a bit of the, the holy treatment back there. I shot them in the heads, love. That's all fun. That's all good and fine. Uh, for me, the best part, though, was the final line, where as he's saying goodbye, he just goes, ta-ta for now, you flange. That was good. I was that not was uh, expecting that. I, I but... quite enjoyed the bit. Where, yeah, you know, it was clean kills. Well, some of them probably shot themselves. Well, no, no, no. no. What he said you was... that quote? Okay. What he, what he said was is, if it makes you feel better, they died with dignity. Well, a couple of them might have uh, shot themselves, but... Uh... <laughs> that was it, yeah. Um, so, yeah, so what's happened here is he has actually... Dom's actually essentially got him out of you know his his charge you know she's she's got him a technicality to get out and as a thank you as or as a sort of trade yeah um he's he's uh got all of her family and take them to a safe house away from the dark army protecting them so that she doesn't have to worry about them uh this was just the the right amount of setup so that i didn't see it coming but it didn't feel cheap just the right amount it worked i think it's it's around this time we're getting all the the sideways shots uh, like fr- one from Dom's point of view. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know she, she's on, on laying on her side on the floor, um, but we get an interesting one for whenever Darlene looks down at Dom, which isn't just the reverse though, because uh, it's sideways. For her, even though Dom, you know, she, Darlene's not sideways, uh, Dom is is. Uh, so it's weird to have it from that perspective that it's still looking sideways. It, it, it kind of gave it this weird effect. Yeah, of course, they had this scene. I, my, my note for this is just Dom Wick. That's what I've written, yes. written down for uh, this. Uh, Dom managed to free her hands enough that she grabs the knife that or, that was in her chest and she slashes the henchman that's around her, his ankle, grabs his gun, shoots Janice in the head, the henchman behind her, I think the henchman's first. I think it's the henchman first, yeah. yeah. And then finally shoots the henchman she slashed the the, 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 the ankle of behind her. She just goes out with her gun behind her and shoots them in the head. Um, very badass moment. There's a big, big oh, yeah. crown-pleasing moment for Dom, um, and you feel really happy. Um, really, really good stuff. Um, and when, you know, Darlene comes in and, she, and she's like, gives her a phone and she's like, hey, and Dom makes a call saying, officer down, come to this. So, so it helps on the way for Dom. And she's like, you have to go, Darlene. And, you know, Darlene's saying, sorry, no, I'm not leaving you. That's shitty. I'm not going, you know, I did all this to you. This is my fault. And she says, if you want to help me, go find Elliot and take them down. So, you know. Yeah. I'm wrong. This could be Dom's death. They could, if they tell me, oh, no, she didn't survive, right? Sure. I mean, there's a chance we'll never see her again and we'll never answer if she survived or not. I, compared to the others, though, who have left the show this season, this one seems like, no, she's probably going to be okay, but we might not actually see her again because her story's done. I agree. I think this one's an interesting par- parallel with Tyrell in that it feels like we pr- might not ever see him again, but he might be dead. But there's a chance that he's alive. Whereas this one feels more hopeful. I think that I'm I'm far more convinced she would live. Um, and I think, she, I think Dom, our character's more deserving of living. Like, you know, yeah. Tyrell, you know, murdered someone in season one and has done a lot of shady stuff. Um, yeah. Dom's someone who we actually kind of want to see have a happy ending because she does. Uh, ha- she has. A, she has a good person. She has a noble sense of right and wrong, and she hates yeah. that she's been used in this way. So we want her to have a happy ending. So I, I think uh, if this is the last we see of her, I think it works for her. Um, I still kind of expect her to show up helping uh, Elliot and Darlene at some point, just because. I would not be surprised if she shows up yeah. as as backup at some point. Yeah. So. Really cool stuff. So Darlene uh, runs for it, and that takes us to our final scene, which is at All Safe. Which is interesting that Elliot is at a place called All Safe now. That even from the start of the show, given his past, he's at a place. He works at a place called All Safe to feel safe. I don't know. Um, and even later on, uh, when Mister Robot shows up, I, mean, I say later on. Let's just after after a few few close-ups of Elliot's hand shaking. He's clearly a bit shaken still. I mean, yeah. Literally, uh, about everything he's learned, he's still doing his hacking, but he's you know he's clearly hesitating. Uh, so literally, Mister Robot is standing behind him. He's got his hat off, but he's in his hand. Notably, it's not missing. Yeah, he's holding it and he's kind of like caressing it. Uh, but I didn't notice that the words "all safe" were right next to him, and it's it's, it's just saying like, no, he is safe. Like he's not in danger right now. Mister Robot yeah, is not a threat. Is not a threat. No. Um, 
So he's holding, he's holding his hat, uh, and he's really, you know, and this is easily the most emotional we've ever seen Mr. Robot be. Like, he's he's oh, here yeah. he, he's here for forgiveness. You know, Elliot says, sorry for the time out, um, but I had to, like, you know, sort out th- through things. And, you know, Elliot can't, doesn't look around, not, not until the very end of the scene. So for this whole first bit, he is not turning around, even though he occasionally does reply. And Mr. Robot's like, well, you don't have to talk, but let me speak, you know. Um... You know, I was always around to protect you, to make sure no one would hurt you. That was your father's job. He failed. Um, but you were strong. You created me so you could survive. Uh, which is very interesting, because anyway, again, looking at this from the perspective of Mr. Robot is part of Elliot, and part of Elliot's mind that was created to be a safeguard. The idea that he's now saying, you know, like, I failed too, because I, you know, I tried to keep this from you, and maybe that wasn't the right thing to do. Um, if you look at this scene of, no, this is two parts of Elliot's mind kind of like making amends with each other. Uh, and they're both parts of him, and you realize that everything Mr. Robot is is part of Elliot's strength in a weird way. As... Yeah, it is part of it. We've seen a while that the, the, a seemingly obvious way for the show to end would be you know the, the two parts to reconcile and just become Elliot, right? And this feels like a major step to that journey. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I necessarily see literally merge. Like, I, I could almost see a thing where they just all happily coexist because they all are. Oh. They, you know, they're all Elliot. You know, they all exists yeah, yeah, absolutely. I assume he survives. I'm kind of expecting Elliot to die. Although, given how dark this revelation was last episode, it kind of feels that Noe deserves to have a, a happy ending now. A, a chance to actually live. Yeah, like have a normal life. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of want him to live now. <laughs> I don't want the tragic death. Uh, <laughs> I want, I want the, before that last episode, I was like, yeah, he can die in a sacrificial way and Darlene can have the... Now, now I want them both to, to live, which... Which means it's going to hurt all that much more when he dies. Yes. Uh, so... Yes, yeah, so so he's gradually getting closer as he's given this speech. Uh, he says, I failed you too, uh, but the one thing I want you to definitely know, if you, you can never forgive me, you can never let me back in, shut me up forever, I understand all of it, but the one thing you need to know is that I'm not your father and I never was. Um, and Elliot says, you know, I know. You know, I created you. Uh, and the, I think the line that everyone's going to quote from this episode, really, but the most quotable line is, you're the father I needed, not the father I had. Yeah. Um, Beautiful stuff. Uh, music's great during this scene as well. Um, and then something that really caught my ears, oh. this next line, cool. from Mr. Robot. If I could go back in time and change things, and, you know, I would or whatever, whatever the end of it is, it doesn't matter. This whole show, up until this point, especially White Rose, has all been about this idea of going back in time. And it makes me wonder, the way that White Rose seems to understand Elliot in some level, does he understand that he has a trauma in his past to this extent? That he just and compared to White Rose's backstory, whereas his lover, you know, killed himself because yeah. they couldn't be together, and this was a whole thing. Like, even though I ultimately think that Elliot and, Mr. and White Rose, sorry, Elliot, Mister Robot, Elliot and White Rose are going to come down in terms of ideals on the opposite side, and it's still going to be the good versus evil to a point. Is this why White Rose thinks they they share a connection because they both have this trauma in their past and they're very different traumas? But yeah, I think it's you, you know we know that White Rose when she gets in a room with someone she can convince them like with Angela for example, mm-hmm. and you know she said you know no, Elliot we're on the same side. It's like she thinks she can offer him well we can go back in time and so, change things. Yeah, here's here's my theory for what the show is really about, and that's a bold statement I know, but. He says that he wishes he could go back in time and change things. And that's a natural wish that lots of people have, right? And that's something but that it's... White Rose is, seems to actively be trying to do with his device, even if it's just in concept, even if it's not literally going back in time. That seems to be his whole motivation is what happened in the past, and he wants to change the past. But the dramatic point that makes sense to me now is that the reason why Elliot is the hero of this show, the hero that sort of learns the lesson that this show is trying to teach, is that he will realize that you can change the past you shouldn't try to change the past. Accepting it and living with it and growing stronger from it is the healthier thing to do. He essentially says as much here in response. He says, you know, I, I wouldn't change it because yeah, yeah. then I wouldn't be the person I am now. And you wouldn't be here either, he says. Yeah. Uh, and that's acknowledging that Mr. Robot's a vital part of him, that he 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 needs. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of beautiful and I, I kind of I'm excited to see thematically like him him saying that line is so specific and so intentional him saying that line if I could go back and change things uh, 
is so perfect because it just it thematically ties into the obsession you, you know take out anything else it just ties into the obsession the white rose has with trying to do something because of this event in the past and even even angela fell prey to it and tried to change things in the past and because of that faltered and failed and i think elliot even if he dies doing it is going to win because he's accepting his past uh, because I mean, at this point, we found out that everything that's happened in the show, everything that's happened with his character, is because he was hiding a part of his past because he couldn't handle a part of his past. Yeah, I think that's you know, that's probably a more elegant way to put it. But that's no, no, I'm with you. Uh, uh, it was great, John. John, I think might have been my favorite moment of this scene. Is mm-hmm. is, a, is a much smaller moment comparatively, but it really hit. It's semester robots. You know, he's, he's walking up as he's as he's talking. And he goes to put his hand on Elliot's shoulder. And just before he puts it out, he hesitates for just half a second as to, should I do this? Does it, does it, am I too much, you know, like his father to him? When it, yeah, when yeah. He, when well, let's bring some flashbacks. And well, let's, you know, traumatize him. He, yeah. he does put his hand down. Know, he does, you know, and, and Elliot is okay with it because, like, like we say, Elliot knows that that, that, that isn't his father. Yeah. But there's that moment where just hesitation before he does that I kind of loved. Yeah, and he, he has this self-doubt here. He starts weeping and saying, I don't know if I can do the hack. I don't know if I can do anything, right? Uh, and this is something, you know, this is the thing. Angela's, or Angela, sorry, Darlene has come away from the scene she just was in probably more determined than ever, motivated than ever. And I feel like I'm, I, I am so looking forward to, like, her and Elliot being in the same room after this. I am so oh, looking forward to it. Um, but there's something here very, and I, I noticed this in a second viewing, that's actually... A very interesting choice, directing wise. The final shot. Okay. So the final shot. Elliot's weeping, and you know, Mister Robert's got his hands on his shoulders, and he's kind of holding him, and maybe even weeping a little himself. Uh, sure. We don't really see, but the camera pulls back, and it's this big wide shot, and it goes to black there. There's a dark element to this, where the visual that we're seeing, if you look at it, is actually very reminiscent of what the actual act itself might have been when he was a kid. Um, Mr. Robot standing behind him. Elliot's kind of weeping and saying, "I can't do it. I can't do it." Um, there's a very dark kind of like almost symmetry with something obviously we never saw and never should see. But no, I get it. the idea that this this thing that looks like his father is is there consoling. Yeah, and, but... you know, in 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 a, in a moment where he is susceptible now. Yeah, because you've got him crying. You've got Mr. Robot kind of rubbing his shoulders. Uh, not in a creepy way. That sounded creepy the way I said it. But you know, he's kind of like he's got his shoulders and he's kind of, you know, trying to comfort him as he's weeping. And yeah. but the visual as it pulls back and it it just it just it looks a bit more like this mm. almost represents the sexual act that may have taken place when he was a kid. Yeah, I see what you mean? Um, so really dark touch to go out on. So, uh, no great episode. Obviously, it's not as amazing as last week's because nothing was going to live up to it. Um. Obviously, well, I think it's actually one of the the lower key episodes of the season overall. Mm. Um, don't be wrong, still great TV, um, but on the lower end of the scale as this season goes for me personally. Yeah, it felt so short compared to last week, uh, even though it was only you know thirteen minutes or whatever. Yeah, it was the the standard length that the show has been for most of the season. Yep. Um, but yeah, so five left. Um, episode flew in i'm not ready for it to be over but like i said so we i went back and watched this this uh dream sequence you know hallucination sequence whatever you want to call it yeah. um, and i took down some notes for it because i felt like yeah let's this let's look at it a little bit and and this is something that we've known for a long time is quote the key to the show you know it is uh, you know Esmail oh, very good very much yeah i know uh Esmail himself has confirmed that you know this does kind of set out all the plans the yeah no and, the show over. and people have been going back and look at that scene talking about a monster when the voice comes over angela's voice you know the sort of demonic sounded voice um and sort of analyzing that a lot especially when we start talking about a third personality I mean, but even uh even darlene you know the the kid darlene that we see uh says to you know okay first thing i gotta ask you is uh what's your monster or who's your monster maybe it's happening ahead. Let me get through in order. Um, right, fine. Uh, starts up with um, he kind of wakes up watching like an F Society video. Remember, they used to do the mask videos. Yeah. Um, and the, the speech here from the F Society dude, uh, which is basically Mr. Robot because it's his voice, you can tell, um, is uh, wake up from your slumber, um, retrieve lost, damaged, or stolen memory is like one of the key phrases that he says, which yeah. again, given. That was last episode. He retrieved a lost, damaged, or stolen memory. 
Um, I think that that's been a thing throughout the entire show. Like you know, as much as just even at that point when we had this, he didn't even know who Mister Robot was or that it was part of him. And then Elliot goes into into the video again. It's like a dream sequence, so you know, bear with the weird parts. Just go with it, yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, and this F City guy gives him a mask, takes off a mask, and gives him a mask to hide his face and hands him the key, the same key that we see in this this very episode. Yeah, that that was what caught my eye. I mean, when he when he pulls the key out of this patch, I was like, "Holy shit, that's the same key from the from yeah. the dream sequence." Um, and even says, "Find the monster and turn the key." So again, I, I'm watching this. I'm like, "Yeah, all this is just completely relevant to what what I literally just watched." And then he goes to the, his street, his childhood home, his childhood street, uh, with the house. And we have the moment where, and I always remember this moment because it was like he gets to the house and it disappears and it says four oh four, not found. And that's kind of beautiful, especially in the context now that we have, where literally he repressed all of these memories of his childhood. So the house not being there, 404, you know, not found, is really, really smart. And then he said, you have the young uh, Darlene who says, who's your monster? And then he hands him the key, because uh, he's dropped it. She picks, she picks it up off the floor. And it's this yeah. idea that Darlene will help him recover his memories and help him along the way. It's interesting, given that up until before this season, any time I've ever seen this discussed, the key is always referred to as... That's like having the, the the power over whatever they're doing. So who's in control? Um, yeah, which I think is does always plays, but I don't know if it's exactly that after this episode, after learning what this key actually is. I mean, you could say you know it was the control that says that Elliot took the control uh, by you know using the key and hiding it himself. But um, I mean, uh, I wasn't really thinking about that during watching it again now uh, with the current context we have. It was more just for me about unlocking the memories more than anything else. It was about unlocking and revealing stuff. No, no, that makes sense. I just I, I know that has often been the the read that uh, a lot of the community has. So I wanted to kind of mention that in terms of you know who has the key kind of relates to who has the the power or the secrets in any given season. Yeah, and then he goes to uh, his apartment. And Tyrell's there holding the key as well. Uh, he's sort of sitting at his desk playing with the key. Um, and Notably, uh, he doesn't give the key back and is completely ignored all scene. Yes. Uh, then the fishbowl, the fish starts talking to him. Um, Query. Query, yes. I wasn't trying to think of his name, to be honest. No, no, but I just would yeah, remind everyone. Uh, so it talks about his world's the same and nothing changes because he's in a, in a tank. I kind of took this as kind of describing Elliot. Like he's, you know... He's he's shielded off from everything, so yeah. I think he talks here about being in a loop, right? Yeah, uh, and then he's at a restaurant all of a sudden with Angela, who's eating the fish, and then he gets a bit of cherry pie. Well, no, this this, this, this I wanted to mention it was interesting because one, it it was raspberry pie, which was just a, a whole thing of okay, sure, the raspberry, little, you know, small confused. But uh, it was interesting is the person who bring it over said uh, it was pops raspberry pie, you know, uh, which I think is notable given that. When he takes a bite out of it, the the key is there, and it's literally oh, handed to him on a plate. Hey, this key was you know your father's. Uh, it's 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 all there. Yeah, and then Angela says I do as if it's an engagement ring, which is weird that he's the one who eats it. Usually, it's the the person who's been proposed to who finds the ring in their their drink or food. Yes. Yeah. Um. Oh, it's a terrible idea. They may choke on it. Don't do it, people. It's it's just silly. Um, yeah. It's a silly idea. Uh. So. Yeah, um, keys in the pie, and uh, Elliot does say the fish is his friend. He says he's my friend. He also tries to say, uh, "Darlene, hello, friend." Which, and she says, "I'm not your friend." And I think that one is not one that we we can reveal now. I think that was one that was always just Darcy's sister. That's why she says yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. yeah it, it's I'm not your friend because I'm your sister. Just keep in mind at the time we didn't know that was Elliot's sister. Uh, and yep. to a point, I mean, I think we were starting to speculate at that point, but we didn't necessarily know yet that Mister Robot was part of Elliot either. Just to put yeah, it in I think perspective. we were on the train of he definitely because I remember I remember thinking all the time like you know from like episode two or three you're kind of oh thinking. yeah it was after episode two or three I think everyone was starting to like hey wait a minute there's something fishy about the way he's interacting with people and yeah. so on um so then this is the sort of big final scene where he's with Angela she's in kind of like a dress and uh, he's in a tux or whatever implying that maybe they're going to be getting married in a minute or whatever uh, but they're in the F Society place they're in the you know the amusement arcade and which is again a loop because it's back where we started right yeah and she mentions uh wait start of what the show or the, the stream sequence no the stream sequence with the the video being back to f society oh, okay sure I, I, I guess so yeah that's not where we start in the sense that's not where he falls asleep but yeah 
No, not where he falls asleep, but it's the first, uh, you know, the F Society is the first part yeah. of this sequence. Uh, so she mentions you were only born a month ago, um, which I am now taking to mean uh, it's been a month since this version of Elliot kind of like forgot everything again. And Quite possibly, because that, that, even now I'm looking at it going, that's, that's interesting, that Because she says, no, you're not going to do it. You're not going to succeed changing the world. But, I mean, who could expect anything more? You, you've only been born a month. You know, you were born a month ago. So, to me, that says, yeah, that, that was when he kind of repressed everything again. You know, he, he intentionally forgot again. Uh, maybe intentionally is not the right word, but, you know, to... You could be right. Um, the only thing that throws me off on that is he was already going to Krista at the start of the show. Um, so if this had not been repressed, if this had been repressed for, you know, less than a month, I feel she would have been aware of this a lot earlier as a therapist. I don't know. How long was he seeing Krista, though, when the show started? Uh, it, it felt like a reasonable while. They they had a, you know, a relationship already in terms of... It could have been a few weeks, though. I mean... It, it could have. Because no, this show, as we've seen, uh, started in, like, you know, August it was 2015. May. It, was May. It, was, it was May. Was it May? Uh, yeah. Oh, that's right, 5-9. I'm, I'm thinking that's September, not me, because uh, of the way I rate the date. Um, yeah. yeah. So I guess it was April, actually, that it started. Yeah, probably about April. So, yeah, but it starts in April and ends in Christmas 2015, so you know, the timeline doesn't move quickly. Like, you know, it's not like every no, episode's advancing that much. Um, so, yeah, that's my thinking there, anyway. And then she says, uh, you're afraid of your monster. Um, she also says the key doesn't fit. Um... And then she ends with, uh, you're not Elliot, you're the... And then it cuts off. That's when it, the dream kind of cuts. Yeah, I wish I knew. And, and in conjunction with the, you know, only born a month ago, I think there is an, a natural inclination to suspect that this, that Elliot is not the dominant personality somehow that we've been seeing the whole time. Um, you know, you were only born a month ago. You're a new personality that was created, you know, and you know, you're not Elliot. I think there's an inclination to maybe think that, but I don't think it is. The no, case. that's not how I took it. I took it as going with what I just said about you were only born a month ago. It's just that, it's just that you're not Elliot, meaning you're not the Elliot that knows everything. You're not the child to the Elliot who's grown up and actually has all the memories. Um, again, going back to the the child as the third personality, and that the, the the true Elliot is really all three of them. The, the true Elliot is really all of them. No, that would that sync. would play very well. Yeah. Um, but that's how I took it. And obviously the voice comes over, which I'm sure, even though it's obviously distorted to make it sound really evil, I'm sure the voice that plays over hers here is probably Christian Slater. It's probably very intentionally Almost him. Almost certainly, yeah. Uh, because he is the monster, of course. Yeah. So, no, very good. So definitely, you know, so much of that has a new context given this episode and last episode. These these two episodes have really changed that completely for everyone, I think. Yeah. Uh, so it was worth going through it. But uh, that is episode eight of Mr. Robot. Uh, season 4 uh, let us know what you think of it in the comments below like and subscribe all that stuff get us on the twitters at mail underscore fuzz for channel updates ding the bell on youtube make sure you get the notifications if you want to support the show you can do that a couple of different ways you can rate the podcast on apple podcast give us 5 stars helps more people find us as does of course sharing us out on twitter facebook you know whatever link it to people um, but of course you can support us financially over at patreon.com slash tv and you can do that for as little as one dollar per month and get some bonuses for your troubles uh, so go and have a look and see if you're interested uh, but otherwise that is us so thank you once again for watching or listening we always appreciate it keep watching tv guys have you got any vanilla <laughs>